This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Friday, July 9th, 2021. I am Dave Biddle. I am very happy to be joined by Jonah Booker for his usual Friday visit. Jay Book, a lot to get into. Let's start with JT Tuimolo. A couple questions about him. First of all, what do you expect from JTT as a true freshman this year? I'm very curious about this. I wrote a story about this. I asked Steve Hellwagon about this on the show on Monday. I asked G. Scott about this on Wednesday. Um, JTT is going to arrive tomorrow as we broke on the site yesterday. Uh, what are your expectations for JTT as a true freshman this year? I think you're going to see a situation to what, where Larry Johnson treats them similar to what he did to both the brothers and as well as Chase Young. You're going to see the lion's share of the reps coming from Zach Harrison and um, the other defensive in there, Tyreek Smith. Those are going to be your primary guys, and then they're going to have their freshman package. You're going to have Jack Sawyer right there in the mix with him, and you can see JTT getting in on that. The, the one thing that Ohio State fans uh, have come to appreciate with Larry Johnson is he rotates his guys, and that's a strategy, and it's a philosophy with Ohio State. They want their guys to have fresh legs in the fourth quarter instead of having your studs playing uh, down in and down out. So that bodes well with seeing JTT get on the field. I do think a lot of those other guys, because they've been in the summer conditioning, they've been in the winter workouts and the spring football, they're going to be ahead of him when it comes to the collegiate game. They're going to be technique-wise ahead of him. So right now, Larry Johnson is pretty much putting him um, on the crash course to get him ready to play. Um, I, I think early on, He's going to be a guy that gets a couple reps, but as he progresses, get his legs under him, and the season moves along. You, you're talking about, you know, late October, early November. That's when I really think he's going to make a big splash as he continues to get more comfortable with the collegiate game. Now, he wants to play defensive end. And of course, Ohio State's like, okay, <laughs> come play defensive end for the Scarlet and Gray. We want you to do that. Look ahead. To the, I'm sure that's what he's going to do this fall. They're not lying to him. He's going to be able to come in, and there's every chance he's going to play DN. And maybe he'll—he's already six foot five, two hundred eighty pounds. Maybe he'll drop weight and he'll be a defensive end. I have said, as I've said on the show and on the site, I, I tend to think he's going to grow into a three tech defensive tackle. That doesn't mean he can't move back and forth and be a strong side defensive end and move inside to tackle. Maybe he'll be a guy that does both. Look ahead. I asked you about his freshman year, Jay Book. Look ahead to his future. Do you see him as a D tackle, a D end, or both? I see him as a guy that's going to be a generational type of talent. I think he's going to be someone that you can move him both inside and outside. 
Let him start out outside. Let him prove to himself that he can be a defensive end at this level. And if he and if it doesn't pan out, then you can move him inside. The one thing about Ohio State, and you saw it with the Bosa brothers, you saw it with Chase Young, um, you saw it with Adolphus Washington before he went full-time to defensive tackle, is Larry Johnson will kick those guys inside when it comes to third and long, third and 14, third and 10, and let them pin their ears back and get after the quarterback. And I think that bowls extremely well for his game because he's big enough to hold up inside, but he wants to show that he's athletic enough to play on the outside, which I truly believe he is. If you watch some of his high school highlight tapes of him playing tight end, he is a big man that can roll. Uh, Obviously, his athleticism is there because he's looking to play basketball at at Ohio State as well. So he's a gifted athlete. Not every defensive end is as big, as powerful, and as athletic as he is. So until he shows that he can't play on the outside, I say give him a crack because he gives he gives you a lot of versatility at that position. Because if you want to come with a rushman package and put uh, Jack Sawyer right next to him on the outside and kick JTT down in the inside, tell me what type of uh, offensive tackles in the Big Ten is going to be able to handle that type of relentless pursuit towards the quarterback, especially if Larry Johnson decides to start twisting and stunting those guys. So. His, his size and athleticism, it allows you to do a lot up front to create mismatches any way you see fit as long as he can uh, show that he can handle both positions, which I think he can uh, going forward in the future. All right, last thing on JTT, then we'll get into offensive line recruitment for the 2022 class. Really curious to get your takes on offensive line recruiting for 2022, but also, you touched on this with JTT with the basketball thing. I'm skeptical he's actually going to play basketball. Of course, they're going to tell him, like, yeah, you can play basketball. And I know he had, like, Power 5 offers to play basketball. I'm sure he could help a Power 5 team. But, like, you know, his future is to be a first-round NFL draft pick. I think, you know, maybe he'll play for one year for Ohio State's basketball team. But I, I tend to think, you know, that sounds good right now. I'm a little skeptical he's actually going to play basketball. What do you think? I think he will give it a crack his first year and then he'll realize that his generational wealth is putting his hand in the dirt and working on his game full time with Larry Johnson and the strength and conditioning staff. Because, it, it, yes, it's great and it's a novel idea to say, hey, I want to be a two sport athlete in college. When you're looking at a business decision, what is the smartest business decision? Do you want to put those wear and tear on your knees playing in a college game right after you're coming off a potential playoff performance in college football? Um, So I'm sure he'll try his best to walk on. Um, But at the same time, I think at the end of the day, once once you start talking real numbers, you start talking about real generation wealth, millions of dollars, he will realize that football is where he needs to be full-time because I think if you can get his athleticism and size with Coach Mick and that strength and conditioning staff, he's going to be an absolute monster. I know a lot of people like to do forward projections, but if he can live up to the hype and he can stay healthy, you're talking about a top five draft pick. 
All right, as promised, let's delve into 2022 offensive line recruiting. i uh very intrigued by this. Buckeyes only have one offensive lineman in their 2022 class. It's a fantastic class. So that's the uh, last order of business here is to uh, add uh, quality offensive linemen to this class. Obviously, they're going to fill out other places too in the class. But offensive line is really, really intriguing to me. And it looks right now really good for the Buckeyes J-Book to land Cam Dewberry, the number 10 offensive tackle in the country. Number 101 overall prospect in the country from Humble, Texas. It's not like it's a done deal or anything, but it's looking good for the Buckeyes to land Cam Dewberry. Yeah, uh, Dewberry, he is, He said, you know, right after his visit that he almost committed to Ohio State on the spot. He wanted to sit back and take his time and get as much information as possible. He may be looking to take another visit up during the games if he can, but I would not rule it out before the football season start that he pulls the trigger here. All indications are, if you read the, the other team's message boards in Texas and things of that nature, they believe that he's Ohio State's to lose. Um, the question that a lot of people are asking, will Ohio State take three of offensive linemen or will they take four? Um, me, I think it's going to depend on if it's going to be the right guys that they have in their board if they're going to take a fourth one. So if you are if you have Dewberry in as of now, the question that everybody is are asking is who's going to be the next guy, who's going to be that third guy or fourth guy. But for right now, getting Dewberry as a premier left tackle, once again, going into uh, Texas and, and snagging one of their top approaches have become a norm with Ryan Day and his staff. I'm hearing a guy they really like, and I'm not the one that's reporting this. Um, Bill Curlick's been all over this, the dean of Ohio State football recruiting, others, Steve Wiltfong. George Fitzpatrick is a name you need to know, Bucknutters, if you don't already know. George Fitzpatrick. Sounds like the Buckeyes really like him, and he is reciprocating that love. George Fitzpatrick, the number 27 offensive tackle in the country, but the number 292 yeah, overall player in the country. So it's like it's like even though he's quote unquote only the number 27 offensive tackle in the country, shows you how many good offensive tackles there are this year because he's the number 292 overall player in the country, Jay Book. Kid out of Colorado, six foot six, 290 pounds. And it sounds like the stars are aligning for perhaps George Fitzpatrick to be a buckeye down the line. Yep. If you if you go to you know his page, there's already one crystal ball thrown out there for Ohio State. He's a guy that's kind of been off the radar for Ohio State fans. A lot of people I know in our message board, if he does commit, they're going to ask, what about the other guys? Um, and I just think this is – Fitzpatrick is a guy that Ohio State looks at with his size at 6'6", you know, 285, that he is someone that they believe can play at this level because when you have some of the talented guys that you're right in the thick with, you have to question, is he a take? And from all indications are, is he is a guy that they would accept his commitment. But I truly believe that they they have a good feeling where they stand with Dewberry as well as Green from California. So if those are three guys that you're leading for and those are takes as well. To me, if you're really willing to take George Fitzpatrick, that answers your question if you're going to take three or four offense alignment because I would definitely take those other guys before Fitzpatrick, but I see what they're looking at. When you look at his size and potential, um, he has an offer list from Oklahoma, Oregon, and Mario Cristobal is 
uh, premier offensive line coach. So if he believes that this kid is worthy of an Oregon offer, offer um, then you have to take a look at it. You know, you look at uh, Florida, the guy has 29 offers. So his his offer list speaks volumes. I know some people are going to go and look at his page and say, oh, the 292nd recruit. But you have to take into consideration, look at these kids' offer list, because that tells you more of the story, especially when he has an elite of the elite offers. You know, life is good when we're talking about a top 300 recruit in the nation. We're not talking about top, like, 1,000 or top 3,000. Top 300 recruit in the nation. And Buckeye fans might be, what, what's going on here? Um, but, you know, George Fitzpatrick uh, – they really like him, and maybe he's a little underrated. And you mentioned, I'm glad you brought up Ernest Green from the same high school as Wyatt Davis, John Bosco Prep there in Bellflower, California. Ernest Green, he's the number two interior offensive lineman in the country, the number three player in the state of California. I mean, look at all the great players in the state of California. He's number three. Um, his, uh, well, I don't think they were high school teammates, but Wyatt Davis was the number one player in California coming out. Ernest Green is the number 57 overall player in the country in the 2022 class. What are you hearing about Ernest Green, Jay Book? Yeah, it sounds like Ohio State is the favorite in this uh, recruitment right here. If they can get him, he is a big, powerful kid um, that is ready to play at the next level. Six, four and a half, about 330, as you mentioned, offers from Alabama uh, number two offensive guard. So he is a heck of a prospect here. Uh, but Texas is someone that keep an eye on because I know there's a lot of interest with him when it comes to Texas. Uh, Oklahoma at one point felt like they were in a good position with him. But I think it's going to come down to Ohio State or Texas here. Right now, I see Ohio State winning this out. I can't see Ohio State turning down uh, a guy of his rankings. You know, you're talking about the number 57 player in the country in the composite and one of the top offensive interior guys on the offensive line. So you definitely need to continue to build up on the inside. And if you like those guys on the outside, which you have with Dewberry and Fitzpatrick, that are that would be a nice combination with the offensive, commit, offensive line commit that they have now. So that would typically – potentially give you three tackles in the offensive guard. And I think Ohio State fans should be pretty happy about that because you got your skill position players. You got your your, your defensive line starting to build up in the 2020 class if, if White end up deciding to come to Ohio State. So you, Ohio State, they're, they're doing what they do best, which is building up front and then surrounding it with the weapons. This is going to be a critical class for Greg uh, Sadadra. Uh, to make sure that he gets those bodies in there because you're losing two premier tackles coming up. So you definitely need to replace them in their muffer and MPF. And then you're going to be uh, bringing in some of those, those new starters. They're going to be upperclassmen. So you definitely have to get that offensive line restacked. And I think Ohio state is in a great position to do that. Yeah, I want four in this class. I mean, especially after only getting three last year, and they got three good ones last year. I want four in this class, you know, and, you know, if it ends up being they already have Tegra, as you mentioned, from Lakota West. Um, if they can make it Tegra, George Fitzpatrick, Cam Dewberry, Ernest Green, sign me up for that for a four-man offensive line class. Let me ask you this, and we'll move on to name, image, and likeness. Because I told the listeners, I think it was about uh, a week ago Monday, not this past Monday, but a week ago Monday, my first day back, I was thinking, 
Emil Wagner's in this class for sure, right? Huber Heights Wayne, number two offensive lineman in the state of Ohio, you know, one of the top offensive tackles in the country, high four-star kid, again, pipeline, Huber Heights Wayne, Dayton area. Jay Book, I don't think the Buckeyes are that high on him. Sounds like they've kind of backed off on him. What are you hearing about Emil Wagner? Yeah, it's, I haven't heard a lot there, but I kind of agree with your sentiment to where he was an in-state guy. Uh, number 11 offensive tackle in the country. And it, it, it's questionable if Ohio State will take him. Um, to me, I would look at the offensive tackle position and say, would you take Wagner or would you take Fitzpatrick? Now, for me, I would definitely take the in-state Ohio kid if it's comparable, especially when you're looking at rankings. And don't get me wrong, rankings aren't the end-all, be-all. Um, and but Ohio State, for some reason, they really like Fitzpatrick. The question that you have to to ask yourself is: If you let Wagner walk, will he go somewhere to where he can come back and not necessarily haunt you, but you can look back and say, "We let a good one who we had in our hands in state go." So the question for Ohio State coaches is: Do you, do are you okay with that? Are you comfortable? with letting uh, Emil Wagner walk because I think he's a he's a big time talent as well don't get me wrong same size he's a little lighter than Fitzpatrick he's 6'6 265 and they may look at Fitzpatrick a little bit more ready than Wagner right now because Wagner's going to have to put on weight and he's going to have to get stronger but the potential is there and the, the the thing that a lot of people are asking is is he really Ohio State caliber or 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 is he more of a Kentucky caliber type of guy where Vince Merrill will snap him up because you know he's an Ohio kid and he's a talented uh, guy that's close to campus and a lot of people see these Ohio kids that are four stars and you see quite a bit of them going to Kentucky and I would tell you Dave Emil Wagner is a guy that Michigan should be on that's someone that they should be all over. Those are the type of Ohio prospects that where Ohio State may decide to pass on, but he's good enough to play at your school. But fortunately for Ohio State and Kentucky and Cincinnati, Michigan has completely abandoned the state of Ohio when it comes to recruiting. But I just was thinking about that because you look at Mark D'Antonio, and these are the type of guys that he would pluck out of Ohio. And when he made his run, it was on the backs of Ohio high school recruits. So that's why I say, in my personal opinion, if the talent is close, give me the Ohio kid because I trust Ohio high school football and the way those kids are being coached up. Don't be giving Michigan any ideas, my man. Come on now. <laughs> no, <laughs> I hear you. You're totally right, though. I mean, Michigan for years. I mean, half their roster was Ohio kids. Like, I don't know why they went away from that, but thank God they did. All right, last thing. We'll get you out of here on the Bucknuts Morning 20. Um, we're about, what, a week and a half into name, image, and likeness being an actual thing. It's still the Wild West. We're still watching it all develop. I'm just curious to get your overall thoughts on what you've noticed so far with name, image, and likeness. I think it's pretty cool so far. Um, I think the one that really stood out the most to me was basically Miami coming out and saying, yeah, we're paying, we're paying to play by their booster coming out and putting up six, $6,000 for 95 players on Miami's roster. That's saying that you, we don't care what you've done because you wear the U on the front of your Jersey, you're going to get $6,000. That's pay to play. 
I'm seeing a lot of good coming out of this. You're seeing kids who are saying that they're going to take their NIL money and split it with their teammates. So I think that's a great thing because it also builds up the locker room. There's going to be a lot of these kids that won't see a dime because they're not highly regarded. They're not highly publicized like that. So some of their high-end teammates deciding to share some of the revenue with them is great in my eyes. I'm, I'm still waiting to see how this plays out in the future because I truly believe this is going to be a situation where you're going to see top boosters buying recruits or they're going to be heavily involved when it comes to recruiting. And I said it on Twitter. I said it on the button us message board. What you're going to have is you're going to have a group of boosters. They're going to pull their money together for their business and they're going to make deals for recruits if they decide to go to that university. Now, a lot of people are going to say, well, that's illegal. You can't, you can't use money to persuade a kid to come to a certain school. The NCAA is not going to monitor this. That's the bottom line. What if Miami coaches go out and market to recruits? Hey, look at us. We have, you know, 10 different businesses lined up to pay all of our recruits X amount of dollars or our players X amount of dollars. There's nothing illegal about that. And there's nothing the NCAA can do about that. So if Miami has a payroll of, you know, $35,000, $40,000 per player throughout every year that they're in college, there's nothing illegal about that. I know some people are going to say, this really ruins the college game. All of that's going to go out the window once the football is kicked off. Once the bands are playing, the stadiums are full, the tailgatings are rocking, nobody's going to be thinking about NIL and what players have sponsorships or who's collecting money. The question that I have when it comes to the NIL is making sure these kids stay focused, and that's going to be the job of the coaches and the people that are close to them. Yes, it's okay to try to get your money, but at the end of the day, the focus has to be on playing football and playing at a high level for your team. You can't use NIL as a distraction from you getting your education and you doing everything to make sure that your body is in peak, peak conditioning and you're doing everything to contribute to a winning culture for your football team. So right now, I'm I'm happy for those kids. I wish back in my days there was NIL. I, I don't know if I'd have, of course, if I'd have got some type of ice cream endorsement deal or something like that. Would the greenery is the greenery still a thing? When I when I would visit my friend at uh, one of my best friends at at OU, would go to the greenery. Uh, they they were not IDing there when I was 19, which was very convenient. Maybe you could have got a uh, an endorsement deal with the greenery. Although Ohio State kids can't do stuff with bars and, and like alcohol, so maybe not. Yeah, they can't do anything. Athens is not really a, a great place, um, you know, for NIL because a lot of the local business are really mom and pop spots that are that are there, and they're just trying to make sure that they're surviving as far as a business. But when you're talking about a major metropolitan area like Columbus, and speaking of that, I just read an article. Uh, yesterday where Urban Meyer was talking about how big of a competitive advantage it is for Ohio State being in Columbus and their players and the opportunities with the corporations and all of the growing companies and the love that the university receives and the support from the local businesses. Now you look at Ohio State and the point that Urban was making is that's a Columbus is a vastly different place than Tuscaloosa or 
uh, Clemson, South Carolina, where, yes, you know, they have tremendous support in, from the community, but you're talking about, you know, a million population. I'm not sure the total population of Columbus, but a million people to, what, 80,000 people, which is your traditional college town. So that right there presents a leg up for Ohio State when it comes to NIL, and it positions the players to be able to really capitalize on it. The one shoe that's going to have to drop, and right now Ohio State is saying you can't use our image as far as Ohio State's logo and being in uh, your Ohio State jersey when you're doing your sponsorship deal. Well, LSU just greenlit for their players. So LSU is allowing their players, and once that boxes open where teams are starting to allow players to use their name image and likeness with the Ohio with their school brand Ohio State's going to have to change that policy they're going to have to keep up with the Joneses we're competing against the SEC we're recruiting against the SEC so if those players are getting money in the SEC and they're getting the push from the University of Alabama or LSU Ohio State's going to have to eventually change that policy. Great insights, as always, from Jonah Booker. Thank you very much, Jay Book. Thank you to all the listeners out there for tuning in the show. We appreciate that very much. Hope everyone has a great day and a great weekend. Make sure the Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.